to the St. Maud Chapel. Tonight's guests are Quick Beam of the Hobbit Hip Hop Group, Lord of the Rhymes, Film Director, Robert Massantonio, Musical Guest, Matt and Chris. I'm your announcer, old-timey radio star. Theme song by Chico's Vibe. And now, your host, the one, the only, St. Maud himself, Matthew Kelly. Hey, hey, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's great to be back, everybody. All right, so... Since the last time we did this show, a few things have happened. First of all, Valentine's Day has passed, and uh, never been a big fan of Valentine's Day. Sadly, I've always been single on Valentine's Day, and uh, I've got all these memories that I've repressed from elementary school, but the psychiatrist that I've been seeing lately has told me that maybe it's it's good for me to, to rediscover some of those memories. So my parents recently gave me a videotape uh, from when I was a kid. Uh, in elementary school, uh, you know, back in the day, you used to hang those paper bags on the front of your desks, and you'd put, you know, cards in each other's bags, and this is a tape of me and some classmates looking at uh, what we got on Valentine's Day. I got five pieces of candy. I got a chocolate bar. I got a quarter. I got a rock. I, I was the one that got the rock. <laughs> so another thing that came by was the Super Bowl, and uh, I'm not a big fan of sports, but I called up my good friend, Ari Mangrum, who runs UponOfficialReview.com, uh, and he has sat down and recorded some Super Bowl jokes for me, and instead of reading them, I'm just going to play the the voicemail that he left me of the jokes. Yo, Matt, what's going on? Uh, just wanted to call in the St. Mort podcast and say what's up, tell you a little bit about the Super Bowl. Uh, before I get into the Super Bowl, though, man, uh, I don't know if you knew, but uh, Magic Johnson is on Twitter now, so uh, make sure you update your antivirus before you add him. Add him. <laughs> 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 well, uh, the Steelers, uh, I knew they were in trouble because they were missing their center, uh, Maurice Pouncey. So there was no Pouncey, which is also, coincidentally, what they tell Ben, ben Roethlisberger before he goes out to the clubs. No Pouncey. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the reason, I guess the main reason why the Steelers lost was uh, for a change. Uh, Roethlisberger was pressured into doing things that he didn't want to do. So uh, Steelers went down. Uh Something you might not have known, uh, Lil Wayne was live blogging the Super Bowl, so uh, you know autocorrect was working harder than it ever has in its life. Uh, the Black Eyed Peas uh, had a crazy-looking halftime show uh, with some like future gear. Uh, honestly, I really hope I don't live to see that future if that's what the Black Eyed Peas were for. <laughs> um, on the positive side of the halftime show, there was no Justin Bieber. So at least we got that. Um, you know that uh, football robot that dances on Fox every week? A uh, little thing you might not have known, uh, that actually is Ryan Seacrest. That was his first job doing that, uh, on Fox, to being that dancing robot. <laughs> um, Glee was on right after the Super Bowl. Uh, if you watch Glee and you watch uh, the Super Bowl, uh, please don't follow us at Official Review. Just watch the football. <laughs> we don't want the guy fans that are watching Glee. Other than that, you know, it was, it was a great game. Uh, I enjoyed it. We had official review enjoyed it. So uh, if, you, uh, if you like St. Mort and you like funny stuff, you should definitely follow official review. That's twitter.com slash official review or upon official review.com. Talk to you later, Matt. Peace. Okay. Well, uh, I'm about to bring back a really popular segment uh, called What's Brian Up To Today? And That's it. I quit. What, what, was, what was that? Old timing. I quit, St. Maud. I don't feel appreciated around here. You're quitting. Yeah, see? I'm out. Old timing, but... I'm leaving! Play, play the Brian segment. We'll be back. Let's go check up on Brian. Make us laugh, make us cry. Just figure how Brian's doing today. 
chance that the song that was just playing might be familiar to some of my listeners. That is The Lord of the Rhymes. The video has over 74,000 views and their website has had over 5 million downloads for the song. Uh, one half of The Lords is in the studio right now and that's Quick Beam for Skyping with the Stars. Thank you for being here. Uh, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, how do you feel about the popularity of the video? Um, great. I'm glad people enjoy it. You know, when we first made that video, it was before YouTube um, was in existence. So, um, you know, it's nice that, you know, we put that up, I think, only a few years ago, so to get 70,000 hits is pretty good. Um, I think if YouTube existed at the time we made the video, it, it might have done even better. But we originally distributed it just through QuickTime movies that you could download from our website. And it's funny enough, at the time, we wished there was something like that, um, like YouTube, to do video distribution, but there just wasn't anything. Now, yeah, I know I saw the video before I even saw Fellowship of the Rings or, or any of the movies, so obviously you guys were big fans of the books, and I'm assuming probably fans of the uh, original cartoon as well. Is that true? Yeah, definitely. We, we both, uh, Bombadil and I both grew up reading Tolkien, you know, The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, Silmarillion, and some of the other Lost Tales, and uh, 
it had a huge influence on us. And then the Ralph Bakshi films were just absolute genius. Um, I'm a big fan in general of early animation, and he used this technique called rotoscoping for the Black Riders that just sort of blew my mind. Um, I also really like stop-motion animation, like the Her- Ray Harryhausen stuff, Clash of the Titans and Sinbad, and all those old techniques. And um, I feel like the, the Ralph Bakshi, Lord of the Rings cartoon or animation is really kind of in that spirit. Yeah. Um, so that, w- that was a big influence as well. Yeah, those those old claymation movies are are so just there. There's something about them where like the the current CGI stuff just doesn't hold my attention. Nothing holds my attention more than say Jason the Argonauts fighting a bunch of claymation skeletons. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> like, and I don't know if that um, is something about just the time when you know when I grew up and if kids, young kids these days, still would enjoy it as much as I did, but. Um, but it, that's actually something we want to do um, for a future video is do the entire thing in stop motion um, using, like, sculptures of ourselves and and kind of make miniature puppets and dioramas and, and do a full stop motion video. So people can look out for that. We'll probably try and release that around the time that the Hobbits come out, the Hobbit movies come out. Uh, hold on one second. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, it, you should check out. There's a uh, a really good documentary. I believe it's on Netflix called uh, "The Sci-Fi Boys." If you haven't seen it yet, and that's all about uh, Ray Harryhausen and uh, famous movies, movie monsters magazine and stuff like that. It's a very interesting documentary. Oh wow, I'd love to check that out. Yeah, yeah. that's that's right in my wheelhouse. That stuff. <laughs> Uh, now, the website itself has been pretty inactive. I think it was last updated maybe a year or two ago. Um, are the Lords done, or are you guys still touring and playing? Uh, we're, we still, we're, we're on hiatus, I would say. Um, we were pretty active for a long time, but certainly people's interest in what we're doing kind of rode the tide of the Peter Jackson films. And um, I think it's going to ramp up again soon when The Hobbit movies come out um you know they're making two films of of that story and then another part of that's going to be a bridge between where the hobbit leaves off and the lord of the rings or the yeah lord of the rings tale begins um so we expect to be busy again but certainly um it's it's been tough on a hobbit um (laughs) in the in the ween years between uh those films and the start of the next ones uh you guys get compared a lot to the Beastie Boys uh, on the different YouTube comments, which I'm sure as a hip-hop fan is, is one of the ultimate compliments. Uh, do you guys get to listen to a lot of current music out in the Shire? We do. You know, we, we both grew up listening to hip-hop, and, um, you know, any of those kind of comparisons are certainly an honor for us. We don't, um, you know, just to be put in, this, in the same sentence is, is great. But, you know, for us, the re- one of the reasons we started doing this was we noticed that kids, you know, we both come from Brooklynshire, and we knew that kids around here weren't as familiar with the Lord of the Rings story, um, but they love hip-hop, so we thought it was a great way to sp- spread knowledge of ring lore through music, and since hip-hop was what we were really listening to a lot, we developed this formula of, of setting Tolkien to uh, beats. Uh, and there's been a couple musical movements based on literature. I know probably the the most popular is uh, the wizard rock movement, but as far as I can remember, you were the, the first people writing about fantasy literature. I'm sure that there's others. I mean, you, you sampled Leonard Nimoy's song about Bilbo Baggins in the one song, but yeah, I, I really think as far as currently, you're, you're one of the big forerunners on, on writing just honest music about literature. Yeah, um... I appreciate that. I don't know. I hadn't heard of much before us. Um, although we didn't really think of ourselves as creating a genre so much as we just wanted to write songs that we about stuff that we really loved. And like I said, we wanted to spread knowledge of ring lore as wide as possible in our own community. But um, you know, since I've started doing this uh, project, I've been made aware of you know Wizard Rock, and then this. Genre, subgenre of hip hop called nerdcore, and um, it's allowed me to trace back the roots of 
science fiction fantasy songwriting. And there's actually a movement in the 70s called Filk, where singer-songwriters sort of in the Cat Stevens, James Taylor type vein were writing folk songs about Star Trek. And as far as I can tell, that's one of the first um, kind of categories of music to just make that bridge between popular songwriting and, and fantasy or science fiction. And, um, but I wasn't aware of that when we started doing this. So it's great to see more groups out there now kind of making songs about what they really love, which is you know, some of this literature and some of these topics which were previously considered to be sort of too nerdy to want to you know, admit that you're into, let alone write material about. But I think because of the internet, it's allowed people to come together and share their common interests and create some really amazing music. Uh, now, do you guys plan, I, I, I mean, when, I guess with the new Hobbit movies coming out, do you guys plan on recording any new songs? Because I know on the website there's a few free songs for download and there's a DVD, but that's about it. Is there more material that's out there? Yeah, we recorded a lot more material than we've ever released. Um, it really comes down to laziness. We have enough for an album, and we never actually put it together. I think we, were, we got so busy making videos, and then we made a, a documentary. It's about 50 minutes long, so it's like a short-form documentary about our band and about um, Hobbit rap, which, um, you know, as you referenced, we sell DVDs of that from our website, lordsofthereimes.com. But that... that entire documentary is available for free on YouTube as well. It's divided into four or five parts, so if people are wanting to check it out and don't want to pay ten bucks, you can check it out on YouTube. Um, and so we got so caught up in doing that stuff that we never actually put the album out. Um, but if you've seen us live, you'll know that we we have like a hour-long set um, that's very theatrical and we do about ten or twelve different songs. Um, we just never actually release them. So maybe that's something that we'll do when The Hobbit movies come out is make a new track to to memorialize the hobbit and then release a lot of the material that is just sitting in the archives the long-awaited uh debut album by the lord of the rhymes yeah, exactly 12 <laughs> years later uh i love the music video specifically the guerrilla filmmaking of the lord of the rhymes video uh which is literally just you guys wandering around the shire what was the filming process like for that video well we we're able to rope our friend Curifin the Crafty into it. Um, he had made some music videos before and um, had made a really killer documentary about crop circles um, that got a feature. It was a feature film that actually got a theatrical release. Um, I can't remember the name of it at the time, but it's this. He worked, he was the editor on the project and he worked with the director who also made a documentary about uh, the Waco disaster called Rules of Engagement, which is also a pretty interesting doc. Um, but anyway, this friend of ours, he was like the only guy we knew that had a camera, so we convinced him to come out on the coldest day of the year out to uh, Prospect Park in Brooklyn Shire and we just wandered around the forest. Um, shooting scenarios and got a bunch of friends to help out and then shot a bunch of stuff in Times Square. It's definitely interesting to see people's reactions as we were going around doing this, um, <laughs> shooting with our furry feet and wearing short pants and, and you know, flower, floral pattern vests <laughs> in the middle of winter. But it was a lot of fun. Now, um, where can my listeners find out more about you guys and future shows and stuff like that? Well, everything will be posted on our website, lordsofthereimes.com and um, as you mentioned it hasn't been updated in quite a while but um, as soon as we have some new material or announcement of tour dates we'll put them up there we've been we toward the latter part of our touring we were mostly doing private events like um, a bunch of sort of video game and comic conventions and we also were lucky enough to perform at the after party for Return of the King in Hollywood um, at a party organized by a fan website called the OneRing.net, um, they threw the official after party for New Line Cinema. So all the cast and crew was at, was at the party um, after winning eleven Oscars, and um, there was about a thousand fans there that had bought tickets in advance. Um, so we've done been been lucky enough to do some events like that, um, and some of those we haven't posted on the website just because they weren't open to the public. All right. Well, well thank you for coming by. Quick. Uh, uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Hopefully, you know we can have you on sometime later. Maybe we'll bump in at a convention or something and, and have a sit down and see how the lords are doing. That'd be great. I'd love it. <laughs> All right, thanks, man. All right, yeah, keep it green. All right, uh, we'll be back after this brief commercial break. 
Holy fucking shit. Holy fucking shit. Holy fucking shit. Geekscape is turning 200 fucking episodes old this fucking week. 200 fucking episodes old. That's right. So check out Geekscape. Episode 200. You're going to want to listen to it. You're going to want to watch it. You're going to want to fucking send it to all your fucking friends. Because Geekscape is turning 200 motherfucking episodes old this week. Holy fucking shit. Holy fucking shit. Holy fucking shit. Neighbor director Robert Massantonio. Hello, hello. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you in the studio. Uh, I just rewatched Neighbor. Um, this is a movie I loved. Uh, it was one of my favorite films of last year by a long shot. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> I, when I when I first saw the movie, I was watching it with a group of friends, and uh, the love sequence came on. And that's about where my friend had to leave the room. Um, and I hear that he's not the first person that this has happened to. No, yes, yeah, so that was the one the, the editor started that off. It's nice to have um, a sort of a... Jeez, what's that? What's that? Like a legend? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little, a little story beforehand. You know, the little monster under the bed... Um, on uh, you know, in our case was you know it got out that that the editor threw up editing um, that scene. In his defense, um, we shot a lot of the movie in sequence, um, yeah. so we especially everything that was done in that basement was a set. That was the only set we had. Um, everything else was um, practical houses. Yeah. So. Um, you know, once the blood started going, you know, we do the sin and just, you know, everything builds and builds. And, you know, he's getting hands in this film and having to, you know, edit toes flying off and the kneecaps getting whacked out. And then here comes this, you know, the creme de la creme. <laughs> and he had said at that point it was just too much for his psyche to <laughs> to after seeing all of that massacre uh, happen before him and then just take it to that level he's like I, I just couldn't do it but yeah we made sure excuse me we made sure that story got out got out right away um, I also told Vincent Guastini the um Oh, excuse me, I just drank that citrus beverage way quick. Um, <laughs> Vincent Guastini, the um, special effects uh, designer, I told him it was the first time, and, and like, I'm not, this isn't, uh, you know, any, any ass padding. It was the first time legitimately since I saw American Werewolf in London when I was nine years old did what I see on a movie screen give me nightmares. Like, there was one night, again, I think just the um, saturation of just so, you know, four days in a row of, of chopping and eviscerating and and me sitting there going, no, more and more and more, you know, we need more <laughs> blood, then come on. And uh, there was one night, like, right before I, I, I drift off to sleep, you know, I would see a, a, a tear or a, a <laughs> splash. And I would just be like, my God, I'm, I'm going to get blamed for that. You know, like, <laughs> people are going to, that's people, you know, the number one question, oh, you know, where do you come up with all that stuff? You seem like such a nice guy, where do you come up with that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I knew I was going to get blamed for it. Now, the the movie itself looks great, and it's easy to watch it and even forget that it was an independent film. Um, how how did you make it look so professional on such a small budget? A lot of that was um, teamwork. Um, you know, uh, Marcheff Sturmer, and he was my uh, director of... Uh, Photography, um, and and Rob's uh, uh, Sibley, my editor. You know, we just saw they those guys. They knew what I wanted. Um, you know, I would sit down with them and we would watch movies, 
to get what I'm saying, you know, I want to emulate this, and this is why, and blah, blah, blah. And, and I think because we all sort of got along, and we all like the same sort of things. Um, so I think really just the three of us being in tuned help that. And then plus just with the technology of using the red camera, um, it's immediately accessible. It's, it's um, you know, you pop the card out of the camera and then you're watching literally what you just shot. So um, it's easy to make um, aesthetic decisions based on that. You know, if something's even working, um, you can correct it immediately where, you know, it, the first, my, you know, my first movie was on 35. It would take uh, three days before... We would see something and go, oh, oops. Yeah. Let's hope we can get that. Uh, let's hope we can get that house back because uh, we need to reshoot half this footage. <laughs> um, now, but yes, yeah, communication I think really helps. I, I'm told that uh, you had a guest director who would appear on Sundays and fill in for you. <laughs> um, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I have a. Um, I have a puppet that I found online that somehow looked remarkably like me. It had really, it had like the long hair. I was, you know, in the middle of growing my hair out, so it was just ponytail length. And it had the full beard that looked more like a goatee. Um, I originally bought it just because I thought it was funny. Like, what, you know, how many times you see a puppet of you? <laughs> you know, so I'm like, I gotta buy this. I I don't. I don't remember how I I don't personally work on Sunday started. Um, it was a rumor that started during Cold Hearts, and I think it was something that was just said out of Jess one day, and then I just it just kept going. You know, like, oh, I don't work on Sundays anyway, <laughs> so I decided this time I'm really like I'm not I'm not gonna show up. I'm gonna carry the puppet. I'm going to make everyone address the goddamn puppet. <laughs> and that's how we're going to get through the day. And I looked like I had known Christian Campbell, who plays Don in Neighbor. Um, he's been, you know, we've been friends for almost 15 years now. He was in Cold Hearts. Um, so I told him, um, and I told America, because, um, you know, I, I, I didn't want anyone to just in case and I was serious <laughs> but nobody else knew just uh, just those two so you know I show up with the puppet and it got actually it, it worked uh it worked pretty well people were, were pretty responsive um to it and and uh you didn't have any like I heart Huckabees I type surprised. situations with the puppet no no <laughs> and you know, the big debate was uh that was also Mink Stoll was on set that day and it was, you know, now do you talk to Mink or does the puppet talk to Mink? I'm like, guys, it's Mink stole. I really don't think a Muppet of me is going to shock her. I was going to say, I think in, she's dealt with worse. Yeah, in in the <laughs> least. And I said that because, you know. I've seen her nakedly sucking toes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah. <laughs> I don't think the Muppets are going to bother. But just out of professionalism, I kept them away. Because, you know, she hasn't... You know, she didn't know me. I just didn't want her to think I was a dick. I thought that you know, was amazing or, that, that or, you um, even got Mink Stoll. Was like... The second I saw Mink Stoll was in the trailer, I was like, I gotta see this shit. <laughs> she was awesome, Like, too. John she Waters was, uh, is my hero. I would love to get John Waters on this show one day. And just awesome. to see, like, Mink Stoll is like, that's... You know, he's already fulfilled a dream that I will never reach. <laughs> she, um, yeah, she was great, too. She came in and, you know, sat down and she asked, she asked me, you know, well, do you want to see anything particular? And I said, no, have fun. You know, do what you, let me see what you, you want to do. And she did that voice, you know, she kind of pulled that character out. And I said, you do it just like that? And I and I turn the camera on, and, and we'll be fine. And yeah, I thought it was great. She gets um a big response at all the festivals too. She always gets a uh, you know, mink. Now, it's clear when you watch this movie that unlike a lot of horror movies, and I'm not gonna say all of them, but 
there's a good amount of horror movies that have been coming out lately, especially in the realm of remakes, that are clearly not made by fans. Mm-hmm. Um, but people that have even seen it with yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, then you see other a lot of the independent films. You know, what for me, I feel like movies like Hatchet or or Cabin Fever or uh, Sl- Slither. You can tell that these are guys who grew up mm-hmm. with the genre and were like, I know what I want to do. Right. And I get that when I watch Neighbor as well. I get the idea that you're not a casual horror fan. You are I was grew trying, up on horror and, and this was like, I want to make a movie like this. Yeah, I, I, was trying, <laughs> yeah I, was, <clears throat> I was trying to make a love letter to classic horror movies also with the understanding that you know, Saw and Hostel exist now. Um, so, you know, it can't be ignored. But yeah, my, that was, that that was totally, that, that, that's what, that's what I was going, like I said, I, I was kind of going for a, a love letter to, uh, you know, to John Landis and John Carpenter and just, you know, Wes Craven and just, you know, our pioneers, you know, yeah. the guys that, you know, the hard files think the, of is you know, Toby Hooper. And know, that's just, why I get I get frustrated. Um, I haven't even seen the movie, but I hear it's actually better than people made it out to be. But Wes Craven's movie, My Soul to Take, that came out last year. I didn't like, see it. I wanted to see it, but, but like, I feel like it came and went. Yeah, everyone was trash. I'm like, who the fuck are you to trash talk Wes Craven? Well, right, <laughs> like, right, right, right. Like, every horror fan should be kissing his feet because yeah. he's given us some of the greatest films in the yeah, genre. he created an icon. He created an icon, and then he created... <laughs> you know, the guy created Last House on the Left, which is still one of the most disturbing films I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, he could... He could shit on a plate and film it for an hour, and I'd be like, "I'll watch it because it's fucking Wes Craven." Yeah, like, and I'll I'll be there. Yeah, <laughs> like, opening no, night. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm excited for Scream Four. Like it's nobody's business. I saw it, the trailer last night. It looks night great. Before uh, so, yeah, what we see last night, the mechanic. It just looks very. It it looks like what we've needed, which is people forget that Scream was a parody. Scream was a parody, and yeah. it was a satire. This the Scream Four looks like it's going to be such a great satire on the watered down remake genre of what the yeah, yeah mm-hmm, that I'm I like agree. I am completely ready to sit in the front row of this movie yeah. opening night I think, yeah, like, yeah I'm psyched for it too um, now after Neighbor came out I can only imagine that you were on cloud nine <laughs> and then you got some very upsetting news uh, which is kind of taking you out of out of directing for the time being. Uh, would you be willing to tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, I got a bit of the, uh, the old tongue cancer. Um, it was something that started off small. I had a little blip on my tongue. I thought I'd just bit it or something. I had a little abscess. Um, it was actually, it was a year ago this month, February. I finally went to um, my, uh, my regular guy, what do you call it? Your, uh, physician? Yeah. Primary physician? Primary guy. Yeah. You know, my you know, guy, since I've seen him since I've been, you know, fourth. Oh, same thing. Looks like you bought it, uh, bit it, take this antibiotic, went back in two weeks, and I'm like, you know, I've been looking at some pictures online, and this doesn't look like I bit it anymore. You yeah. know, like, so he sent me to a specialist, and the guy was like, I, I don't know why anyone would tell you anything other than cancer. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to take a biopsy, but I'm telling you right now, it's already stage three. I'm not even going to tell you, you have a little bit of cancer. Like, yeah. we got to get, we got to work on you. So, um, they wound up taking 40% of the right side of my tongue. Um, that was in, that was in May. Um, I had the tracheotomy and all that. That was a whole fun experience. Um... Then, um, because I was doing this all out of pocket, I didn't have health insurance at the time, um, while I was trying to raise the funds to try to get insurance, it came back, um, oh, I, I, um, they also, what do you call it, when they, uh, when they took the chunk out of my tongue, uh, during one of the scans, they noticed I had some hot spots on my lymph nodes in my neck. So I originally had a scar basically from the bottom of my ear to my Adam's apple. Um, so 
uh, uh, fund got insurance. Um, but like I said, right before I got the insurance, the, the cancer came back. So I immediately went into chemotherapy. The chemotherapy killed a tumor immediately in on one of my lymph nodes, and, and I'm showing it to, to, to Matt, but... Yeah. <laughs> I have a, sort of a divot on the, the side of my face now because yeah. um, the tumor died and got infected. So my doctor had to go in and dig all that out. And it was a whole, I mean, anything that sort of <laughs> could have gone wrong on top of having cancer pretty much did. There's a story I'm going to say for, uh, for another day. Uh, Neighbor two. Yeah, yeah. They'll be a, remember I said? Yeah, you'll see You'll see the, the inspiration. But I went through the chemotherapy, went through the radiation. I'm all done. I'm in the healing process now. Um, it'll be um, maybe about, I think it's two and a half months they'll be able to do the actual testing um, to make sure I'm clean, so... Up until then, you play it like you are, so. Right now, I'm cancer-free and uh, looking to raise money to uh, make another movie. So you will be coming back to the yes. director's chair. Hopefully sooner sooner than later. You know, we're, we're trying to stoke um, a couple fires. I, don't, I, I, I would love to say out loud who I'm talking to, but uh, I'm afraid of jinxing it, too. But a legendary... Producer, hopefully, will, will will smile upon my uh, <laughs> <laughs> upon my woes of late and, and, and help me out. Uh, but yeah, the goal the goal is is uh, this year. I would lo- I would love to do something in the fall. Um, I have a script that would just um, look nice in the fall. It's a haunted house script that we were starting to get off the ground before I got sick, and unfortunately. Yeah. The cancer got in the way, but uh, Tony Todd is attached to that. Oh, nice. And, um, yeah, that's the one we're going to start looking uh, for money for. It's called, right now, it's tentatively called Haunted. Nice. And, uh, yeah. Now, my fans out there should definitely go and purchase some copies of Neighbor. Uh, I highly recommend looking for the unrated version. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, because the the back of the box is different. <laughs> um, the now is there anything, any way that my fans can keep up with you so they can know you know the his, what's going on with haunted or or any other news. You can always find me um, on the classic social network uh, Facebook. <laughs> it's uh, I think it's Facebook dot com slash Robert Angelo MX. Um, I know Neighbors, uh, is, is Facebook.com slash Neighbor the Movie. Um, so you can always find me off of the, that neighbor site. I'm pretty sure mine's Robert Angelo MX. Find me on there, find me on there, I find everybody, uh, and, uh, yeah, that's probably the easiest, uh, it's easiest for me to do. I'm still kind of old school. I don't know how to, like, I'm not very good at, like, blogging. <laughs> and stuff so yeah. <laughs> alright well go see the movie write some good reviews on uh, IMDB yes please <laughs> and uh, you know thank you for coming by Robert well thank you for uh, having me I had a lovely time alright <laughs> have a good one man <laughs> we'll be back after this commercial break and now a St. Mort public service announcement okay so last week I did a public service announcement that apparently people didn't find very funny. So, I'm here to clear up a few of the problems that people had. First of all, I have never had low self-esteem. Obviously, that's part of the joke. I am a celebrity. Celebrities don't have low self-esteem. Secondly, I have never used a roofie or a date rape drug. Again, I'm a celebrity. Women throw themselves at me, okay? The whole point of that public service announcement was that other people aren't as privileged as me and need to rely on roofies. Now that's some words to live by. 
Okay, I'm sorry. My producer is telling me that I still need to clarify that this is all a joke and that date rape is not a laughing matter. <laughs> And now, ladies and gentlemen, Matt and Chris. Friday came and we couldn't believe that after the week we had, it was finally time to leave. We drove all night and almost fell asleep at the wheel just to Cactus in our feet Roger pulled us out And we drank the dead well Chris's mom arrived And made everything okay Romeo and What a time to be alive That was great. We're back here with Matt and Chris, uh, members Matt and Chris. So, uh, tell me, tell me a little bit about your band because I know, I know Matt a little bit more because I've known him since Five Pie days. But I, I've known both of you. I've known both of you for for a while. How did this group come to be? Uh, we're just uh, we're just two dudes. We're just two dudes, uh, you know, running the universe. <laughs> Just really putting in the work and getting the job done. Just getting the job done. I don't okay. know. We've known each other for a really long time. Yeah, I think it just came to... It, it didn't really come together. It just kind of happened. It kind of... <laughs> I think everyone went apart, and we just were like the last men standing. So We've been in bands together forever, and uh, we're just we're just the last two. So yeah. when we break up, the, all those bands will finally break up. <laughs> yeah, all, all those bands, Wikipedia's will finally have an end date, you know? <laughs> um... So beyond just doing music, I know you guys do videos. You have a YouTube channel. You help other bands out as well. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, Chris and I run a recording studio called Broken Sound, uh, and now we've been getting into a lot of video work over the course of the last year. Um, I'm obviously really low in this mix, <laughs> so, so Chris and I run a recording studio called Broken Sound uh, that. It's more of a media company than anything. We do record bands, but we also offer tour management, management. Uh, and over the course of last year, we've broken into video recording, which is now taking on a lot more man hours than, than anything else right now. So. Yeah, over the summer, last summer, we uh, we got some cameras. I mean, me and Matt love filming everything, the dumbest stuff Yeah. You, uh, that no one should ever see. Uh, but we 
got a bunch of cameras, started filming our friends' bands, and like he said about artist management, he went out on tour with uh, one of our friends' band, and he filmed them every night, uh, play every show. Yeah. So when we when he got home, I uh, you know edited all the footage and put together like a live you know slash tour video, and uh, from there we just kind of like you know hey, friends' band one, friends' band two, like let's come to your show, we'll film your band, and uh, we've been we've been kind of doing that, and uh, I mean that's what we do. We okay. just take what we do for ourselves, and now are just applying it to all of our friends' bands, and their friends are telling their friends, and their friends are telling their friends. So it's kind of cool. We're just keeping really really busy. Yeah. Now, you guys um, recently released a Christmas EP that had no Christmas songs on it. But it did have uh, sleigh bells in one song. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> uh, where, did, where did that whole idea come from to do a Christmas cover album with no Christmas songs? Uh, it kind of turned... Where did that? It turned into a Christmas album because we released it around Christmas. I think we were just messing around. <laughs> uh... uh <laughs> Um, I don't, yeah, we, I mean, we were just, we were just playing one day, and me and Matt, you know, uh, we'd put something out last summer, uh, the summer of, I guess, two, 2010. Oh, yeah, 2010. 2010. And, uh, and then towards, like, you know, we were just itching to kind of record some more, and, uh, just with the workloads, it was just getting really increasingly difficult to, uh, to write cohesively and together. And play, to, and play together, we so. We hadn't played together in a long time, and that's, like, because we had been so busy working for other people, and working on other people's projects, and producing bands and, and video and just recording people on different medias, you know, be it video or, or managing or, or recording them, you know, the, the audio of it. Uh, Chris and I just kind of wanted to play Actually, I remember what music. happened. Uh, a band booked a weekend and oh. uh, a band didn't show up. So. And uh, so me and Matt already being at the studio full of caffeine and ready to rock, uh, we just spent like two days at the studio with our buddies. You know, we have two other engineers that work with us. And uh, they just recorded us cover like four of our favorite songs. Yeah, that's and, exactly uh, how it happened. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Somebody paid to come in, didn't show up, so screw that guy. <laughs> when they, they funded the Christmas Eve. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> By the way, I, I saw that you're the drummer in, on the tracks, Matt. When did that happen? Because I knew your brother drummed, but I knew nothing about you as a drummer yeah, all at like all until this uh, this moment. I, uh, I've been playing drums since the fourth grade. It's just that no... no uh, no, nobody ever needed a drummer so, <laughs> until me. So I just always played bass, or you know, that's it. Just played bass. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, you know, I, I've played with, I've played in like maybe like a half dozen bands, and I've always like really played with what I consider like honestly some of the best drummers like I've ever met in my life. And uh, when Matt started playing drums, uh, he did one thing that no other drummer would do, which is just hit the drums as hard as, as hard as possible and like i just like being loud and uh, i mean you know the first time matt was playing drums i mean he just was hitting the cymbals with intent to break and i was like yeah man this is rock like i love this and i mean like it's possible that those recordings were terrible you know but i mean <laughs> i'm gonna go with they're probably awful but i love not matter because we're smack i was i was really really smashing those drums i enjoyed it uh yeah so now, uh, are there any band? Um, I mean, obviously, you want to promote all the bands that you work with, but yeah. is there any band in particular that you really think just has a big future ahead of them oh, that you're man, working real so hard, hard with? Yeah. So many, we record a lot of our. The cool thing with Broken Sound, as it is now, is uh, over the last two years, we really got to work with a lot of our friends because all the promotion has just been word of mouth. So it's just, hey, if we did a good job, our friends told their friends, you know? So. Over the last uh, two years, uh, we've worked with our friends Jeff and Shane and Carmen and and uh, these are guys we grew up with and known from yeah. other bands. That I mean, I honestly think they all have the potential to do something, you know, worthwhile. And I mean, when I say worthwhile, I mean you know whether that be tour or sell a lot of copies or you know or just, just make great music. or just make great music. Exactly, you know what I mean. Like, and that's the whole intent with Broken Sound. I mean, we like to cover both doors of a band. Like I know when I say that it sounds weird, but it's like the front door and the back door. Like if a band comes in and needs help writing songs, we like to help them. If they come in and they already have their ideas, then we're there to help them put it on paper. And I mean, as long as we're part of that process in a positive way, you know, we just want everybody to have a good time. Yeah, I don't know. So many, so much good music comes through there. So I don't know if there's one particular person that is, you know, does something better than somebody else or is gonna has a broader future. We've just had. We've just been really lucky to work with a lot of great people. Yeah. And at the same time, we've worked with a lot of big, big shitheads. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. 
I will say this: uh, when we when we kind of first started out, um, we worked with uh, a band called I Call Fives, and uh, we ha- we did kind of like pre-production for them, and then they went to a studio, uh, I guess in Baltimore, to do. And then a, they got an album. signed. And they got signed <laughs> to 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 a record label and have been touring ever since. So where go uh, them? But uh, they thanked us in their credits, and I mean, it was interesting to hear like their album evolve from the time they stepped into our studio to the time they got to their studio. And I mean, I you know I I like you know I love those guys I can't say enough good things about that whole situation like just being a part of the creation of their CD you know I mean it's not like we wrote songs for them but you know just we watched them like uh, figure it out in our you know in our studio and, you know, and we're just like hey do this or hey try this or and you know not even you know they had the songs written yeah. they they had you know they had picked their a brains. huge chunk we were just like try other things and, and then it was just like oh cool they took that and they rolled with it and it, yeah. was, it was a great time for everybody so now, where can uh, my listeners go to find you know music by you guys as well as just the stuff that you do with Broken Sound? Uh, I mean, we have a YouTube uh, site. It's uh, youtube.com slash Broken Sound Recording. Uh, we have a Facebook. We have a MySpace, all just slash Broken Sound Recording. Uh, we have a Bandcamp slash Matt and Chris. Hey, um, you know, you can go on there and you can hear some songs we wrote and you can hear some covers. Yeah. You know, and uh, we think they're badass because we think anything with a breakdown always sounds better. Yeah, more China symbol, the better, honestly. <laughs> when you're covering a dashboard song and at the end everybody's screaming and there's China symbol and, uh, you know, s- drums smashing. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to say, doing the Christmas EP was awesome be- only because we got I got to do a song that not many people ever know. And it's a... Uh, it's, uh, it's a song called Hold by Saves the Day. Yeah, like nobody has ever heard of that song. Such a good Every, EP. Yeah, it's like, a great, that's my favorite Saves the <laughs> Day sorry, album is that right? EP. Yeah. Everybody's like, hey, did you guys write that song? We're like, I wish I wrote that song. Nah, like, yeah, I mean, that song is Chris Connolly. That's like 1999, man. That's like. <laughs> so, yeah, you can go in there and listen to that. So, yeah, Matt and Chris. Bandcamp. I think com. So, uh, org. Org. Internet. Matt, Matt and Chris something. <laughs> so. And then Broken Sound slash every, all the media websites. Yeah. So. All right, well, thank you for stopping by. Uh, Chico's Vibe, play us out, and we'll be back in a couple weeks. St. Moore Show is produced by Powerdown Productions and hosted by Geekscape.net. It featured music today by Chris Carfagno. And check out Chico's Vibe at chicosvibe.com. Thanks for listening.